the studio for the Tanya Joy Show. We are happy to see you here today. We wanted to take a quick moment and just let you know that the next episode you're going to watch is actually something that I had the opportunity to do on someone else's show. So often... I get asked to come and be interviewed or be a co-host or share my story on another show. And I really love to then be able to take the work that that podcaster did and highlight it to my my audience and let you be introduced to someone else, to meet someone else who is doing a similar thing um, and give them more opportunities for a wider viewing audience. So that is what this next episode is going to be. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. I promise. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are going to love My Slippers that I'm extending my 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code to save $90. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. Our world is completely upside down. We're hearing about rumors of wars, the collapse of our financial system, the destruction of the family, and all of this while we are under a major spiritual attack on our children. Today, we will be joined by Michelle Peterson, who has fought hard to protect her family and stand up for her son. Today is Thursday, November 9th. I'm Tanya Joy, host of The Tanya Joy Show, filling in for Christy Lee, and this is The Counter Narrative. Okay, well, we weren't shocked. Over again. Now, welcome back to the show. As well, I'm so excited to have you both on the show. And I know we had such good uh, feedback and reception. General Flynn, what an honor. Joshua Joshua tracked me down in a big tent of about 4,000 people. How are you? I am doing so great. Hello, everybody. Thank God, I am wonderfully great. Hello. Thank you very much. Because... What is prayer? I'm just doing, you know what I mean? And I'm thrilled to be here with the two of you. <laughs> Me too. It's like- and that's who these crazies, these evil ones. It is. You said it right. Good job. Perfect. We are the Gibson sisters. We are so excited to have them on with us on Resistance Chicks today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise. These people that get higher up, How sometimes I've thought. These are glory days and not gloomy days. Like, I love that. You know, it, it, it kind of works. It's awesome about the tour is people like you. Good. I love the applause. That's cool. There we go. Thank Hi, Joy. Everybody, welcome. We are so excited. Are you ready to get the show on the road? Let's go. All right. Well, we're going to start the day with some headlines and some news. And 
The thing I wanted to start off today with was actually remembering a very special date back in 2016, and that was November 8th, the day that changed everything as many of the news cycles ran. Donald Trump won his first presidential election, and I wanted to start out by remembering this date because for many of us, it was a wonderful day, and it was the day that changed everything. He shocked the world. Mainstream media freaked out. They didn't know what to say. MSNBC actually titled their show the next morning, A Complete Earthquake, as they discussed how horrifying it was that Donald Trump won over Hillary Clinton. Now, of course, we all are very, very grateful that he did. They discussed how the election polling must have been hacked. In fact, on the Morning Joe show that next day, they talked about the election polling places and the process that occurred, needing an incredibly long, deep autopsy. Quite ironic, because I would say we still need that autopsy. And now, as we get ready to look towards 2024 and this election cycle, we're kind of in the same situation all over again. The interesting thing is that if you go on the internet and you did a scrub, of November 8th, 2016. You don't find much about Donald Trump. You find things about twisted mocking of him, discussions talking about the worst presidents in the history of America. In fact, most of the headlines are titled, it was a stunning upset and on and on we go. But for us, we know that it was definitely the day that changed everything and it was a wonderful day. We also saw this week, the smallest debate yet with only five candidates on stage as they prepare for the 2024 election. Of course, many are dropping like flies, and I'm wondering, will we continue to see them all drop out, leaving only Trump standing? I hope that's the case, but we'll see. We also wanna talk about something that's very serious and very actually near and dear to my heart. It's the Nashville Shooters Manifesto that was leaked and heavily detailed by Steven Crowder. It's been all over the top headlines this week as the alleged manifesto of Audrey Hale was leaked. This has some mature language in it just so that you know, but it does show just how messed up this poor girl was. According to the leaked pages, which Crowder said have been verified from multiple sources, Hale, also a transgender, wrote, I hope I have a high death count. She wrote, God, let my wrath take over my anxiety. According to officials, Hale was being treated for an unspecified emotional disorder and planned the attack for months in advance and studied other mass murderers. At the time of the shooting, Hale was armed with two rifles, a handgun and significant ammunition. The Tennessee Star also covered this story and highlights back in May, Star News Digital Media, the parent company of the Tennessee Star, filed a lawsuit against the Metro Nashville Police Department and another against the FBI, seeking the release of these documents. Both of these do remain active. Steven Crowder is the one that broke the story this week. And yet again, California pushes things to the extreme and leads the way in immorality. According to Off the Press, California has spent $4 million of taxpayer funds to surgically perform sex changes and cosmetic gender-affirming procedures for over 157 inmates, four of which are on death row. What in the world are we spending taxpayer money on this kind of surgeries for someone on death row? This literally makes no sense. The state has spent approximately 2.5 million on vaginoplasties. This is the surgery that makes a man pretend to look like a woman. 
this surgery has great risks and many result in long-term problems. From the space closing up to continuous infections, bowel issues, psychological fatigue, inability to function sexually, infections, and necrosis of the skin, just to name a few. And I say that to let you know that this is a reminder that the state is paying, your money is paying for these inmates' surgeries. I'm wondering if this could be a way to figure out how to transition the masses easier in years to come. We know that this is a Luciferian agenda to completely obliterate the family unit, as well as remove any correlation of male and female, the way God ordained it. He created male and female, and he told us to be fruitful and multiply. This cannot take place when our culture is pushing to transition its men to women and vice versa. This actually goes way back to the Old Testament to the role of Ashtra. This was a false god that was used to transition males to female in an attempt to get them to worship her instead of the God we serve, God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. California is yet again paving the way for the rest of the nation. They had nearly 1,000 petitions for gender-affirming surgeries, and in 2017, they became the first state to provide this funding and this type of surgery for prisoners. Next, we've got Speaker Johnson, who is being mocked yet again, but this time it's for his stand against porn. Some really dark things. So Covenant Eyes is the software that I, I we've been using a long time in our household. Uh, I was I first learned about it at, I think, a Promise Keepers event in the early 2000s. I think it was developed in about the year 2000. Uh, but it's the largest um, accountability software that there is. And, and there's some paperwork out there on the table that I think everybody may have picked up on the way in. If not, go get it. I, it's a subscription-based, I mean, we don't make any money on this. I'm telling you, I, we use it, okay? I, they're not, I'm, not in, I'm endorsing it because I'm a user. Uh, it's about $15 a month, $16 a month, something like that. And you get up to 10 devices. And what it is, it's accountability software. So uh, men in a church, you know, men's Bible study groups will do it. That's how it's presented at Promise Keepers. But they also mention, hey, when your kids become teenagers, especially if you have boys, dads, they're talking to the guys at this event, you might want to think about doing this with your sons. And so we've been doing that. And so what it does real, real simply is it has an algorithm and software. I'm, it's way above my head how it works, but um, it, it scans. You, you obviously opt into it, but it scans every all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, tablet, what have you. We do all of it. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son, right? And so he's 17. So he and I get a report of all the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has, he's got a clean slate, all right? Yeah. But, but we, get, we get a report and it says, hey, no, no uh, activity of concern. And it's really, really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images. And it will send your accountability partner a blurred uh, picture of the image. And so on occasion, I get one. I was just looking at the one from this week. I got on, on Jack and it said, this, this is the only one that may be questionable, and it's this blurred image of two, two women talking in a live screen thing, and I zoom in and I have to unblur it, and it's, and it's two middle-aged teachers. Amazing. I mean, this is, in my opinion, wonderful that we have a new Speaker of the House who is concerned about this on a personal level. But Rolling Stone headlined an article, Bombshell Exposé on Mike Johnson reveals he doesn't watch pornography. <laughs> That's, that was how they titled it. It's telling its readers to brace yourself. The new speaker of the house and his son hold each other accountable, accountable for the material that they view. But Rolling Stone, as we know, mainstream media is going to use that against him. 
they're basically trying to push that Speaker Johnson using this third party covenant eyes, which is, as he mentioned, an app that you put on your phone and it scans and blocks for uh, inappropriate material. They're saying that this is going to be a threat to the government, that he really shouldn't be allowed to have that on his phone. It's unbelievable to me that they that this is the day and age that we're living in. Rolling Stones went on to call Johnson as a faith obsessed, election denying, far right Christian nationalist. So this is what we've come to. And we do have to realize that if this is what they're going to say about the Speaker of the House, that if you are someone like him, if you believe in the sanctity of marriage, if you believe in saving babies in the womb, if you want to keep your mind and eyes clean by following God-ordained values that are outlined in the Bible, you will be marked as a Christian nationalist. Are you ready to fight for your values? Are you willing to protect your children and the future of morality in our nation? This is what the world has come to. We have a Speaker of the House who is willing to stand up and hold himself accountable and his son, that they may live according to the Bible and how God sets things in place. And yet this is what our mainstream media is doing. They're saying that this is a threat to our democracy. If you are a Christ follower and believe in the word, then be prepared for the battle ahead. A woman in the Bible I love to talk about is Esther. She's a woman who understood this and risked everything. She was willing to risk her entire life for speaking truth and for saving the future of God's children. And our first guest, our main guest today, is done basically the same thing. So coming up after the break, we're going to have Michelle Peterson, a good friend of mine, here to share the horrifying story they've gone through and how she has truly fought as an, a modern-day Esther to save her child. We'll be right back after this break. Now I'm on the right side. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliottphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com. As our audience knows, uh, we don't do it. We don't promote anything unless it works. I fell off a ladder, fell down on, the, on my leg, opened it up, and there was great pain in it. So I, I, I used the patch and immediately it went away. No pain. By scientific research and rigorous lab testing, even people who have suffered for decades are getting amazing results. We now have hundreds of testimonials for pain relief, allergy relief, anti-anxiety, brain boost, keto boost, and many other solutions, all with zero drugs and no side effects. Quantum is simply about two things. One, intentions, as a man thinketh, so he is. And two, renewing your mind with the word of God. This unique yet potent multi-sensory approach is powerful, and it works. The patch provides the touch, and the included prayer guide uses your sight, speech, and hearing to utilize the senses God gave you. That's the quantum effect. 
Are you ready to experience the quantum effect? Go to QEstrong.com and use code B4A at checkout. Well, Michelle Peterson is not only one of my dearest friends, but she is a middle American mother who is tired of being the silent majority. She's a fierce defender of our God-given rights, Christian values, and our children by all means and at any cost. She's the coordinator of several large Patriot events in Illinois, my home state, with guest speakers that have included Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Brian Artis, Moms for America, Iowa liaison, Emily Peterson, Seth Keschel, Dr. Judy Mikevitz, and General Michael Flynn. Her son was the unfortunate victim of grooming by a high school teacher, but she fought for justice for her son and others. They have the first and to date only grooming conviction in the United States. She's currently working on model legislation for all 50 states, whereby somebody charged with grooming cannot take a plea deal, as well as working to change the language for those who are convicted sex offenders. Michelle and her family have been through the most horrific experience any parent can imagine. We actually broke her story first on the Tanya Joy Show back in February of this year. And since, she has co-written a bill with Amy Coelho that is now being pushed throughout all 50 states to remove the option of a plea deal with someone charged with grooming. So before we bring Michelle on, we have a clip from NBC5 Investigates that actually covered this back when it happened. So we're going to roll that for you now. NBC5 investigates. Imagine discovering that your teenager has been receiving thousands of text messages from a teacher, many sexually explicit, dozens in the middle of the night. You might believe your child would tell you if this happened, but as NBC5's Phil Rogers discovered, that's not always the case. The story unfolded here in Morris, southwest of Chicago, as middle America as it comes. He wanted to make a sex video, um, put it straight out there. Andrew Kozik says he had begun texting Stefan Belegno, a teacher here at Morris High School, because he was having trouble on the baseball team. But before long, he says Belegno was offering him money for oral sex. It started off at 500 and then 1000 and then $1,500. But Andrew never told anyone, and no one knew until his mother heard him talking to Belegno on the phone. He has no business calling you at 11 o'clock at night. That's completely inappropriate. When she learned the two had been communicating by text message, Andrew's mother went to her computer and logged into the family's account. She found thousands of messages. I was just sick because I knew in my heart, I'm like, this isn't just regular text messaging. The family went to police who searched Andrew's phone and found nearly 6,000 messages between the two. But only about a tenth of those could be recovered. And indeed, they are troubling. We can't read some of the more graphic messages, but among the more benign, the teacher writes, when does the kissing begin? Icky, the student says. How about if we just go at it and not video it, the teacher declares. And on another occasion, when you're 18, we can give each other everything. Sometimes males to bond with males are crude. Raymond Wigel is Belegno's lawyer. He insists the teacher was only trying to help Andrew through a bullying incident on the baseball team. You say that these text messages do not indicate criminal activity. They certainly indicate stupidity for a teacher to be sending these messages. Absolutely. Wigel says he and his client concede bad judgment, but they point to the thousands of other texts no one read, as well as huge gaps in the transcripts. There's a stupid intent, but there was not an evil intent to have sex with this young man. I don't care what context you put it in. When you offer somebody money for sex, that's solicitation. So why didn't Andrew tell someone? 
Records show at one point he even told a DCFS investigator the teacher's messages had not crossed the line. Why did you tell him? I didn't want to lose his job. I didn't want him to get in trouble. Belegno was found guilty of indecent solicitation of a minor and unlawful grooming. He is to be sentenced next month. I want him to have to register as a sex offender. The jail time would just be icing on the cake. Michelle Peterson says she and her son wanted to talk to us to stress the importance of reporting incidents like this. 18 of these texts were after midnight, 15 after 3 a.m. The Grundy County State's attorney says he believes it's a cautionary tale about giving children digital technology this Christmas without firm guidelines on how it will be used. Wow, well, welcome back. We are going to bring Michelle Peterson on in and have a discussion about what this was truly like. Welcome, Michelle. Good to see you. Hi, you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've known your story for a while. And um, when I first heard it, I was just stunned, as I'm sure many people are that are hearing this now for the first time. Take us back and in your words, share how this happened and how you figured out about it, and just the backstory of this. Sure. So this happened back in 2010. My son was 15 at the time. And um, my son was having a bullying incident on the baseball team. And about October of that year, I overheard a conversation and it tipped me off that something was not right. Um, I'd come home from a funeral late on a Sunday night, it was about 1030, it was an out of state funeral and went in to tell my son good night because he didn't go with us, knocked on his door and he was sleeping. And so I walked back out, started getting things ready for the next day. And then I overheard him talking and I heard him say, and he was irritated, you know, I don't know how often do you want me to call you? You know that I'm busy. I'm, you know, working two jobs and taking a class at the college. And this is when he was a junior in high school. And it sounded like he was annoyed um, with the person on the phone. And then I heard him say, I'll meet in your classroom tomorrow to pick up those paintballs. And my heart just sunk. And I knocked on the door, asked him who he was talking to. And he said he was speaking to this, this coach. And I said, why are you talking to him? You know, completely inappropriate that you're talking to him this late at night. But apparently he was coming home from a football game and said he was getting tired. So he called Andrew. I said, again, why is he calling you? Completely inappropriate. He was 33 at the time. My son was 15. Well, had turned 16 at that time. And so he hung up the phone. I went downstairs to the computer, looked up the phone number he was just talking to and went straight to the text messages and saw that there were thousands of messages between the two of them. Now, my son, like I said, was 15, 16. I would take his phone all the time. I would look at the text messages he had. I would look at the apps he was on, the emails he was sending. Um, never saw one of any of these messages. And we come to find out that there's over 6,000 messages between the two of them. And you could see, you know, 10, 20, 30 messages sometimes coming in with no response from my son. And I think at this point, my son thought, now that somebody knows, it just, it'll stop. And looking back, so some of the things that um, now I know are signs that things were not right is he wasn't sleeping very well, didn't want to go to school, which that was never a problem before. Um, he had a resting heart rate at one point of 120. He would go down to the nurse like several weeks in a row and she'd call me and say, you know, he's down here saying his heart's racing. And I'm like, I'm sure he's fine. Send him back to class. So one time she called me and said, you know, I had him lay down for a half hour. His heart rate's still 120. Um, actually took him to a cardiologist and, you know, we found that there was nothing wrong, just that maybe he was dehydrated. So um, all of those things, though, are things that parents should be looking for, you know, in 
if they're withdrawn, not eating, not wanting to go out with their friends, all of those types of things. So I go the next day, I'd print it off. Yeah, go ahead. I want to just jump in really quick. At that point, now looking back, how long had that been going on at that point? How long had he been having to deal with this before you um, found out that, that phone call, overheard the phone call? So that was October and it started in March of that year. Wow. So, so he had really been walking alone in this for a long time. Wow. For eight months. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And um, and you had yeah, scanning just, devices. Like, I mean, you, you were checking his phone and doing all of that. It's just that's such an important thing, I think, to point out because so many parents may be checking their kids' phones and they may be doing that. And I know eventually we're going to get into because now you're learning about Think other things, ways to help parents. So we'll get into that. So keep sharing right. your story, but that's just an important point, I think, to point out. Right. And the one thing that he did is when he'd get these messages in from this guy, he'd delete them immediately because he knew that I was checking his phone, which is why I never saw these messages. So I printed off about three weeks worth of messages, took him to the school the next day to meet with the principal. And I told him, I said, I think we have a problem. And he looked at these messages. I told him what happened, the conversation they overheard. And, you know, he, he kind of just sunk back in his chair. I think he, you know, had an idea, of course. And so he met with both my son and the teacher individually. And he met with me later again that day and said that both of them said that there was no wrongdoing, that these are just normal text messages. He um, said that he was going to write the teacher up for texting him, in, you know, at weird hours, you know, off hours that he shouldn't have been doing that. Um, but he had nothing really else to go on. I said, so as a DCFS reporter for Department of Children and Family Services, are you, and a mandatory reporter, are you going to report anything? And he said, well, I really have nothing to report at this point because they're both denying that anything happened. He goes, but you're Andrew's mom. You can put a report in anytime you want. And in that conversation, he must have told me that at least three or four times. So I think he was, you know, telling me, hey, you might want to put this in and, and open a report. So I left there, went to the local church, talked to the pastor there because, you know, this is somebody's life. And I wanted to make sure that what I was seeing or what I was thinking was going on was actually happening and didn't want to ruin this guy's life or career. Um, and I think, too, he thought that I was too busy to pay attention to what was going on in my son's life. Um, I am a physical therapist. I was actually in his house treating a family member at the time when he started texting my son. And I was also working another job that was my, at his at his house, treating one of his family members, the teacher's house wow. in May. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever told you that before. Um, no, but I don't think so. Was so also, that's really an interesting twist then. Like, I mean, that to me, yeah. that even shows even more that he targeted. Andrew. Sure. Wow. Yep. And I was also coaching softball at the same high school where he was coaching baseball. So I really thought that yeah. he, I think he thought I was just too busy. Um, and I think he thought I was still a single parent at the time, but I ha I've been remarried. Um, yeah. So, I've, you know, after all of this time, I've come to find out that that's the type of people that these folks will target. You know, single parent households, parents who are, are they seem to be too busy to see what's going on in their child's life. Um, kids who have, you know, a good heart, um, open that sort of thing. Um, my son started texting him because he was having a bullying incident on the baseball team. So he, he had an open door, some way to contact him. So these are all kinds of things that led or fed into this. And I always tease that he had the right kid. He just had the wrong family. 
Um, and unfortunately, like I said, my son thought that this would end once I found out, um, but he should know me better than that because once I found out, that's when, you know, all bets were off and game game on at that point. So <clears throat> I ended up opening a DCFS investigation the following week and had some trouble with that. And they made me feel bad for calling them because, you know, they didn't think that there was anything wrong. And I showed her the number of text messages. And then she's like, oh, I'm just like, Yep. I said, I think there's something wrong. And she said, well, we can't really go on, you know, a gut feeling from a mother. And I said, no, but this is your job to investigate this at this point. So um, because we had no verbiage from these text messages, we just had the two phone numbers back and forth. Um, I was working diligently trying to find somebody who could pull those messages off the phone. Um, and I finally found a detective in Joliet, which was, you know, just 30 minutes up the road and got a hold of him. And he said, yes, this is what I do. And I had to turn the phone over to our detective in order to get it to him for chain of custody. So I had, I let my son have his phone for the weekend. And then Sunday night, I told him, Hey, I need your phone. I found somebody to get those messages off the phone. And his face just went green and uh, my heart just broke for him. And I said, is there something you need to tell me? And he said, I can't tell you. He said, I'll tell the principal tomorrow and I will tell the detective. And so I was up all night keeping an eye on him because, I, you know, you're afraid that your kid is going to do something to themselves. Yeah. And we've had those conversations and told him that I loved him and that nothing that happened between the two of them or, you know, anything. Because I didn't know at this point what had happened. And yeah. I said, just know that I love you. And, you know, taking your life is not worth it. And so we had that conversation. We met the next and day. As a with mom, the, I mean, how did you get through that as a mom? I can't, you know, I mean, you know me, we, we know our, each other, but just for the parents that are out there, how yeah. devastated and what did you go through that eight hours overnight? Oh, like I said, I didn't sleep. Um, I was really, I was up and down all night, look, you know, checking in on them and just praying, you know, and praying that God would take care of everything. And Lo and behold, he was, and that's a miraculous story that we'll get to at the end of this. But um, yeah, it was pretty tumultuous at our house. You know, it, it was my son and I and my husband, and it's his stepfather. And so things were just crazy at our house during that whole time. Um, but then he went to meet with the principal and the detective the next day. They had him in the office for about three hours, and he told them the whole story. The principal comes out and he says, you were spot on with what you were thinking. He goes, we'll be opening up our own DCFS investigation at this time. He said, Andrew wants to tell you what happened. So he's excused from school today. He's going to go home with you. And if you have any questions, I'll be here all day. So um, we go home. He tells me a few things that had happened. He said that the teacher wanted to make a video with him. And he said that he would refer to his penis as his little guy. You know, am I ever going to get to see the little guy? And so I went back to meet the principal and he said, so what did he tell you? And so I told him, he goes, he didn't tell you the worst of it. And I'm like, what is that? And so he said that he had offered him money for oral sex, 500, a thousand, and then $1,500. Andrew kept telling him no. And so at that point, um, we did file a police report, of course. Um, he still wasn't arrested at that point. The detective asked for a subpoena for the teacher's cell phone and for the computer, which was denied by our state's attorney. Now this all hinged on electronic text messaging, things like that, denied by the state's attorney. 
So we turn the phone over to this um, other guy in this other police officer in Joliet. iPhone had just done an upgrade, so they couldn't get the messages off the phone. And so these companies like Apple or Samsung, they don't have to cooperate with local law enforcement without a subpoena or an order from the judge to do anything to help them. So they ended up getting the phone back. He took it down to the state police and then they had the phone for about four or five months. And by this point, we're almost maybe a little over a year into the investigation. And so I met with a friend who her husband was a secret service agent and he, his, he got me hooked up with one of his friends who was on a pedophile task force with a secret service agent. And I told him the story and he said, Michelle, they just want you to go away. This is too much paperwork for them. This is too much for just one kid. And they're not doing anything and they're sitting on this because they want you to go away. He goes, I'm going to do, I'm going to give you two business cards. He's like, I want you to go there and you tell them that you're an educated woman. You're not going anywhere. You give them my business card and you say, if they don't have those messages off the phone within a week, you're going to turn it over to the feds. He said, I'll have them off of there in 15 minutes. Okay. Wow. So I do that the next day and we had the messages back in three days, which leads me to believe that they had the messages the entire time. So my husband and I go and meet with two assistant state's attorneys. They have a stack of messages sitting in front or stack of paper sitting in front of them. It's probably maybe an inch, maybe thicker than that. And uh, they told me that they didn't have enough to go on. There were gaps in the transcript. They didn't think that they could do anything at this point. Um, the older gentleman said, you know, if, you know, of another kid that he might have done anything to or anything like that. And I said, no, I said, well, can I read the text messages? And up until this point, I'd been pretty even keeled. Like, like I said, we're over a year into this. And so hadn't really caused any trouble or anything or raised my voice even. And I asked him if I could read the messages. They both looked at each other like they weren't expecting that. And they let me read the messages because I said, you know, if you're not going to do anything with it, that's my property. I'm going to take it with me today along with the phone. And so they let me read the messages and I'm reading through them and tears just start dripping from my face because everything I told you about, about the video, how he referred to his penis, make or wanting to um, offer money for oral sex, that was all in there. Plus, you know, additional things, of course. So I pushed the messages back very slowly and I lost it. And I was yelling at these guys and I said, you know, you, you have got to be kidding me. I can't believe that you'd be willing to allow this to happen. I looked at the older guy, I said, you have young grandchildren, you're okay with this guy teaching your kids. And the younger guy has, you know, two young children. I said, you're okay with him teaching your kids. And my husband is kicking me under the table, like trying to tell me to calm down. And I yelled at him and said, I'm going to kick you out the door if you keep kicking me. And um, it was a mess, Tanya. I don't ever remember being that angry in my entire life. Um, and then, you know, the, the older guy again then said, you know, if there was someone else who could corroborate the story or if there was another kid, I'm like, because one's not enough. You know, and I said, what does he have to do? And I'm yelling this. I said, what does he have to do? Sodomize my child before you're going to do anything? And now we're in the middle of the court courthouse with all of these offices around us. And they're like, ma'am, you need to calm down. I'm like, I do not need to calm down. You guys need to do your job. And so the next morning I called and said I wanted to meet with the state's attorney because at this point I just met with the assistants. And um, they said that he was busy. And I said, I want to meet with him that afternoon. If I didn't get to meet with him, you know, I was going to come and pick up all of my stuff. So I met with him. He had no idea what was going on with our case. I had printed off a news article of when he came back to the area and it said, you know, you, you said here that you came back to Grundy County to protect the children and families here. So how about we start doing this? And we were in the county seat. He, he had no idea what was going on with our case. I mean, it's just 
unfathomable to me that he had no idea. Um, so this goes on. Um, they don't charge him really with anything at this point. Um, and then the principal gets a hold of me from the school. He says, Michelle, you need to come down here. He said, I've been telling them for over a year that they need to come and get his personnel file that's in there that they're going to want to see. So I go back down to the, the, the principal's office, to the state's attorney's office, and tell them that. And he's like, well, what could possibly be in there that we would need? I said, how do you know? I said, what skin is it off of your back? Just get it. So they get a subpoena. The school was knowing that I was having so much trouble going, you know, with the state's attorney's office. So the attorneys at the school wouldn't release the information to the state's attorney until I came in and signed off on it. And they used the HIPAA law as a reason because my son's a minor at the time and his name was all over this paperwork. So the principal had been a counselor before. And so he had a meeting with the teacher, the uh, superintendent and the union rep. And he asked him flat out, did he ever offer my son money for oral sex? Did he ever wanna make a sex video? And what he referred to his penis as my little guy. And he said, he put his head down, shook his head and head in affirmation and said, yes. So I'm like, we got him. So I go back down to the state's attorney's office, same day. And I said, this is what's in here. He said, why did they let you see it? And I said, well, because of the HIPAA law. He said they didn't have to do that. And I said, well, I think the real reason they did that was because they knew the trouble I was having down here and you're not doing your job. So I'm going to tell you right now, if he's not arrested in the next seven days, I'm going to have every major news station on your front lawn. And so he waited the full seven days before he indicted him. Like it was ridiculous. I felt like I was like the enemy was, you know, in the courthouse. Like that's who I was fighting this entire time. Um, and the school was the one entity that had my back and that that's unusual too, right? That's not what we hear in the news yeah. that the school yeah. is sometimes the problem. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. So he indicts him. We go status hearing after status hearing after status hearing, nothing's happening. We then vote in a new state's attorney in 2020. Wow. I'm sorry, sorry, 2012. And then he becomes the state's attorney in January of 2013. The detective goes to him and says, hey, this case has been hanging out there for a long time. This is, Gosh. you need to work on this right away. He says, I think we're going to have to take a plea deal because it's been so long. There's gaps in the transcript. People are going to have a hard time, you know, remembering what happened. And so we're going to court then in August of 2013, and he's going to take a plea deal. He then decides he's not going to take a plea deal, and he wants to take this to trial. So the judge wow. was ticked. Yeah. So he lights yeah. him up, lights up his attorney. You've dragged this out for so long for this family. Like he was saying so many things that I wanted to get up in the courthouse, you know, and just start yelling like, yeah, finally, you know, somebody yeah. is saying everything that I'm feeling. And um, he's, you know, said, You're, we're going to go to court in October. He goes, now we got to bring this young man back from school because my son was 19 at the time and going to school in New Jersey. So, so all these years, I mean, all those years go by before you even get to trial and, right. you know, that's something important for families to remember. Again, that's why I said you're the OG mama bear because you just, you, you didn't give up. And if you would have given up, you wouldn't have gotten to the end. I want to make sure we have time to talk about what you're doing now. So you get to trial and then. Yep. So we end, up, we end up, so we, we go to court in August of 2013, July of 2013, grooming becomes a law in Illinois. So grooming is like you have normal, regular grooming, right? Where you groom someone to be a CEO, you groom your kids to be good moral children. But there's also unlawful grooming where somebody tries to gain the trust of another person so they can do something nefarious to them. And that's what this was. And so 
the first assistant state's attorney meets with us, says, hey, we have this new law. We're going to go after this. There's no precedent set, so it's going to be difficult. We go to court in October of 2013, and we get the very first grooming conviction in the United States, which sets precedent and solicitation of a minor. So fast forward then to January of this year, so nine years later, because, well, actually, it was 10 years later in 2013, I meet a sex trafficking investigator named Amy Coelho at one of the reawakened tours, and she's from Texas, and she tells me about a couple of trafficking cases that she was working on, one of them was a Lalusta Mundo case out of California. They busted 123 different sex trafficking cells. They, she then tells me about one of their clients was a Larry Nasser gymnast and tells me about a couple of their, uh, the high profile cases. So then I tell her about my case and she grabs my arm and she says, wait, are you from Illinois? And I said, yes. She goes, when was that? I said, 2013, 2014. And she's like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm meeting you. And she gets tears in her eyes because I need to send a picture of us to my team. And I'm so confused. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she says, we use your case for every trafficking case that we bust because we have to prove the grooming in order to prove the trafficking. And you have the only grooming conviction in the United States to date. So I'm like, in 10 years, there's no other grooming case. And she said, no. And the reason for that is because they either plea out or, of course, they, they take a lesser charge or they just get out of the system. And so she told me about a case she has currently where she had a 14-year-old girl. She had... The guy and his mom locked up on grooming charges and they pled out. They got out two days later, took the girl and trafficked her and they haven't seen her in two years. She said, we need to put a law in place where somebody who is charged with grooming can't take a plea deal. So, all right. So I, she asks me to write a mission statement. She writes the bill and she's a paralegal, right? And she works with Paul Davis out of Texas. So we put this whole thing together, just had like a skeleton of it and I talked to my state rep, Jed Davis, um, and tell him about the grooming law, tell him what happened with my son, ask him if he can put some verbiage in there. So they put the verbiage in there at the end of the bill that says somebody who's charged with grooming can't take a plea deal, but they went another step further and added somebody who's charged with trafficking wouldn't be able to take a plea deal. And he's gonna take this legislation then to the next, when they go back in session in January. And we're hoping that that will get passed because it should get bipartisan support. I mean, they were talking about kids here um, but yeah. then I also asked him if he could add some verbiage in there, um, because with somebody who is on the sex offender registry, so I saw our guy out at the mall working, looking out at this children's play area, and he's only 60 feet away. I'm like, how is that even possible? But in the sex offender registry, it says you can't go within 500 feet of a school, state parks, public parks, that kind of thing. But because these private entities weren't really a thing back in the 70s when this law was written, it's not covered in there. So he put in some verbiage in there that were if um, an entity all or in part caters to children that they will um, not be able to frequent those places either. So now think about this, wow. that would include like Chuck E. Cheese, Dave and Buster's, malls, movie theaters, um, uh, Six Flags in Florida, it would include Disney, Universal, all those places that we're yeah. hearing about where they're grooming and, and trafficking kids. So Florida has really taken and run with this. Um, General Flynn got involved, his sister, Mary Flynn O'Neill with America's Future. Um, they have really gotten involved and he got me hooked up with some um, attorneys in Florida. They took it to legislation here and legislators here, and they're actually um, having an underwriting right now. And they're putting a whole bill together that will be model legislation for the entire country that all these other states could just take and not have to reinvent the wheel. Um, and a gal named Allie Hopper, she is really 
helped out with that. She is a paralegal down here. Her dad is an attorney, but she's really kind of taken this whole thing under her wing and works with me. We have a standing call every week and trying to figure out how we're going to make this all happen. But it's just really unbelievable how this is all coming together and um, America's future. I mean, they're all about, you know, getting us back to Christian values and getting this country back to, you know, a, a democratic republic, like all of this stuff. So a constitutional republic and that everything should be based on Christian family values. And so they've really picked up the ball with this. And um, it's just been an amazing journey this last year, um, not knowing that we were yeah. having such an impact on things and then to have it come all the way through and that God is using something that was so evil and using it for something so good. So, yeah. yeah. And to think that it's been this long, 10 years, and it took that long. And now not only are you seeing, you know, some actual justice, if that makes sense, but actually are being able to be used to change the future. And so that's now, now this law that you're trying to pass is called Andrew's law. Right. And right. I think that we have a picture of general Flynn. Uh, he tweeted out the other day information. Yeah. About Andrew's law, it's an unlawful grooming offenses um, act and named after Andrew, who as a teenager was sexually groomed by his teacher until his courageous mother, Michelle Peterson discovered the horrific circumstances that he endured. And General Flynn has been so kind to you guys and loves you so much. And for him to have put this out, tweeted this out, that's going to make such a huge impact, as we know. And it truly brings it all back around. Now you're able to take everything you've walked through and turn it into something positive. Now you're also, share about what you're doing right now and what you're learning so that people know how they can help and how they can get involved because sadly you're not the only family that has gone through this and and you're not the only ones who are still going through it so share that side of it right so i attended a summit down here in sarasota where i'm at currently attending a class a couple months ago through america's future and we're actually bringing the summit up to illinois um, in January. So January 26th and 27th, we'll be doing a summit. They're also doing a summit in Michigan um, in early December. I think it's December 8th and 9th, but you can go on their website for more information. It's americasfuture.net. Um, and then I'm also attending an ARC training, which is the Association for Recovery of Children. And it's an equipping course to equip the natural or lay person to be able to recognize human trafficking, recognize grooming, recognize if somebody is not in a good situation and be able to help get them out of that situation. Um, so it's a six day certification course. Uh, you can go on their website as well. Um, and it's recoveryofchildren.com and you can find out more information on there. Uh, but these, it's an amazing course. And then next week I was fortunate enough to be asked to um, speak in DC at the Trump National Golf Course by John Stubbins, who is trying to get a movie out called American Anarchy, which will tell the truth about what has happened over the last few years about the election fraud and the medical fraud, um, about the J6ers, all of this stuff that's going on that has totally impacted our country over the last few years. And it's very important to get this out before the next election. Um, and General Flynn is speaking there. So is John Solomon, Tom Homan, Ken Paxson. So, the fact that um, I've been asked to speak with 
that caliber of folks is nothing but God. And um, I am just so blessed to be able to bring that to this level and to try to bring awareness to the federal level for this bill. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you get a chance to see this, I know that you're working on some anti-trafficking stuff. So please, um, I would love to meet with you when I'm in town next week and uh, be able to talk to you about putting this bill out federally. It's just so. amazing. I mean, this is all, I was there when when Michelle met Amy. It was such a strange, like, you know, we were all at a dinner and I was, I'm friends with Paul who Amy works with and, and it was just sort of a random thing. And I was like, oh yeah, this is my friend you need to meet. And before you know it, they're both crying, you know, and it was like, what's going on? What, what, what happened? Why are you crying? And so, right. you know, that just goes to show how everything in life, there's a reason, you know, I was actually reading Romans eight twenty eight this morning, you know, all things work together. And we always kind of focus on work together for the good. That is true. But it, it's actually that all things work together, meaning every step has a purpose, you know, back to your story with the the man actually deciding not to take the plea deal. If he would have not chosen that, if he would have said, yes, I'll do that, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have been able no. to make the difference. You wouldn't be getting ready to put this bill in place. Every tiny piece of the puzzle worked out exactly as it needed right. and as it should. Right. I was so frustrated back then. I'm like, why is this taking so long? And now looking back, it's like, God, with his hand all over this, wait on me, wait, wait until this becomes a law and then we'll move forward, you know, and get the right players in place. And that's how this all happened. I mean, I wouldn't even have really been back in the back to meet Amy or had been at that restaurant without being there with you because I was there helping you with the reawaken with your media stuff. Right. And they're like, Hey, we got this dinner. I'm like, okay, cool. So we go to the dinner and I meet Amy. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And then I also meet Sheila Holm that night and yes. we get to talking and then she hears my story and then she you know gets me in touch with other people and i start speaking you know different podcasts and events because she was telling my story to people so all of these things had to be in place for this all to happen and for the right people to hear the story it's so unbelievable it's so surreal it's it is it's so unbelievable what in the last you know we've still got a little bit a few minutes here but um what are some of the things that you're learning for people that are potentially in this or maybe are are wondering if something like this is happening with them what are some of the things that people can be looking looking out for or doing i mean i know you mentioned you always checked your son's phone did you have a yeah. program set up or did you just do that on your own let's give some of no. those tips to people I wasn't sure of any programs really back then. I just checked his phone all the time, but they do have programs now. And one of the biggest ones is called Bark, B-A-R-K. And you can actually set it up so that you get all the text messages that your kids are receiving in and out, and they will come to your phone. And if you don't want to get all of the messages, you know, like, hey, your hair looks nice today, those types of things, you can set it up for different keywords, cuss words, body parts, things like that, um, so that you can see the messages coming in and out. Um, the other thing too, is I would say, take your kids phones at night. Many of these messages came in the middle of the night. Had I had his phone, I would have seen these messages coming in. Um, these kids don't need their phones at night. Um, and if they give you the excuse that they need it for an alarm clock, buy them an alarm clock. Um, so it's, it's all of those things and just watching for them being withdrawn, like I said, and, and not wanting to participate in things that they would normally be participating in. Um, like I said, he had no problem going to school before and he started not wanting to go to school. So it's all of those types of things and um, irritability, 
you know, not sleeping, all of that plays a role into this. So, and just educating people around you too. I mean, even my own family, I don't think they realized really what we were going through at the time and how tumultuous it was. And just know that the wheels of justice roll slow, but they usually roll true and just be patient. And I was grateful he didn't touch my son. Um, my son is finally, he's in a much better place now than he was when this all happened. Um, we had had him in counseling and, you know, he's very smart and told the counselor what they wanted to hear. And so he got out of counseling within like six weeks. Um, he'd wanted to be a Marine since he was little and was afraid that if he went to counseling, that would go against him for going to the Marine Corps. Um, and then a good groomer will make them all feel very bad for them. Right. So even after the, the conviction came down, he felt guilty, felt like he cost this teacher his job. He, you know, was kind of spiraling out of control, was drinking, um, didn't really respect anybody in position of authority. He didn't trust them. So it's all of these sorts of things. Um, and then we got him back into some counseling. He ended up going into the Marine Corps, um, hit a couple of roadblocks there, got into some more counseling and really since then has really flourished and has done well and really moved forward um, with, with everything. And he um, is working at a military boarding school right now and is wanting to put some of this into their orientation about online safety and texting safely and those types of things. So um, he's finally yeah, and, come full circle. And I know you've, you've shared, um, I believe you shared at one other event that we were at, um, how he really reached out and helped. I forget that other family, but another family yes. that had gone through something similar. And so he's really, you know, um, able to now take what he's been through and turn it around for something good and help other people because right. he, he understands he's been there, done that. Now this, the right. summit, um, and the arc training, the things that you're going to be bringing, how can people find out more about that or register or, or reach you with that type of a thing? Okay. So for the summit, they could go on to visit americasfuture.net and then for the ARC training, they can go on to recoveryofchildren.com and they're both things are on that those websites and so they can sign up there. Um, and then also the ARC training is gonna be for the Midwest. So it's actually gonna be in Highland, Indiana, which is my hometown actually, um, but it's right off of 80. It's only about 40 minutes from Midway Airport, but it's centrally located between, cause they're trying to draw from Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana. So that kind of gives them a central location there where they can they can draw. And they're hoping to have between 40 and 50 people at the class. Now, the class that I'm attending right now this week, we have about 64 people in this class. Wow. So it's it's a bigger class than they certified? normally have. What happens yep, when, when I'll someone be certified. goes Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll be Go certified at the end of this week as someone who can kind of talk the talk and be able to recognize, you know, trafficking and grooming and be able to help somebody who might be in that situation. And it's it's really a hands-on class to try to help people who have been trafficked be able to be a liaison maybe for them in the court system, those types of things. Yeah. That's amazing. It's an intense and so class now, though. Yeah. And and for Andrew's law, how can people what is what is it that you need for that? Um, because obviously we want to get this across the country in all 50 states. So how does somebody get involved or, or what do you need in order for that to happen? So I need people who have a direct contact, like not an email. I want somebody who has a 
phone number. They can friendship. text somebody. They can call somebody. They have a friendship with a representative or a state senator that they can contact and we can get this bill in their hand without having to go through the email system because it's it's like these locked doors you can't get through. So the states where this has been successful, where we get it to somebody is where somebody has a personal relationship with a representative or a senator who will wrap their arms around this and take it and sponsor this bill to be able to get it in. Um, and so, and I'm willing to come to the state or we can do a Zoom call, give the backstory of why this is so important. Um, we're trying to eventually do a monthly meeting with different state reps and senators so that we can actually get them the model legisl legislation, let them know what some of the roadblocks might be. So we're, we're willing to work with that as well. And people can contact me at um, the email is patriots with an S, unite76 at protonmail.com. And um, the America Project, I met them a couple weeks ago, and they're actually putting a website together for me for free because they heard the story and like, what do you need? How, how can we help you? And I'm like, I need a website because that's always the first thing somebody asks. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm a physical therapist. I don't know how to put a website together. So they're putting a website together for me and I'm hoping that will be done next week by the end of the week. And that will be just my name, Michelle with two L's, Peterson and it's O-N at uh, michellepeterson.org is what it'll be. So, yeah. And then so once hopefully that's then up, we'll have stuff on there. I was going to say, once that's up, Sorry. then you'll be able to put the information on the summit and the ARC training and everything right on there. So that'll all be set up for everybody who's watching yes. or listening. Um, that'll all be ready and prepared before it would be time because the the next event is in january it's just amazing michelle your your story um blows my mind at the strength and of course you know you're 10 years out of course i didn't know you then i can only barely imagine what it must have been like during those years right i mean yeah because that's a long time and so i think it's important for people to know uh if for some reason you're going through this don't give up. I mean, that's why we tease uh, that you're the OG mama bear. In fact, I have a little thing, a little gift for you that I haven't seen you. I need to get to you um, because you are, you know, you were a mama bear before mama bears. We were cool before we knew about it, you know, um, and that was because you were not willing to just take the the answer that they were saying of don't worry about it. it you know, it, it's been so long. They were obviously trying to drag this out and drag it out and get you to just go away. And um, you didn't. And because you didn't, you're yeah. now able to help others. Would you, is there anything you want to finish? Uh, any last thoughts that you have? Um, I would say on my website, I will have a link on there for donations because I am trying to go around the country to different events to get the awareness brought to this and to be able to speak at, you know, the different legislatures when they do bring this to the floor. Um, and also I will have t-shirts out and I had stickers made, but this is what it will say. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. I was yeah. a mama bear before it was cool. So awesome. Yeah. You, you're a rock star. So I'm so glad to know you and thank you so much for joining and doing Thanks. this with us today. So, so glad. So Y'all, thank you so much for um, joining. We will be right back. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. Here at the Tanya Joy Show, we are growing in many ways. From new marketing strategies, the continual new lineup of guests, and even new show structures. We are constantly working hard on stretching out to reach more people with the truth of God's word and the truth about the days we are in. But we need your help 
for the next steps. If you would consider partnering with us for just $10 a month, basically the price of going to a coffee shop, it would assure that we can keep on growing. Go to tanyajoy.tv right now and set up auto donate. It will automatically come out every month and every donation you make is now tax deductible through our nonprofit. We want to keep giving back and we need your help. So thank you from the bottom of our heart for partnering with us in this way. Again, go to tanyajoy.tv right now. And for just $10 a month, you can make a huge difference in how we continue in this fight. Again, that's tanyajoy.tv, $10 a month, set it up, auto pay, and we will be so grateful. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. God bless you. And remember, truth always wins. All right, well, welcome back. Our scripture of the day is Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the depths of the sea. I think that's quite fitting for the show today. Thanks again for watching. You can find out more about me at tanyajoy.tv and watch my daily show, The Tanya Joy Show, on Rumble and all streaming platforms. And don't forget to share the counter narrative. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beauty for Ashes with Tanya Joy. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, Share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and remember you were created for such a time as this.